Here's what's coming up on today's show. So those are the two things I would say that that just immediately I would shoot. Okay, are they a five-star building? And how does the facility feel? How does it look? How does it smell? All of those things. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial in the San Diego area. And Thomas O'Connell, president of International Financial Advisory Group, Inc. in Rockaway, New Jersey. Together, they'll be keeping retirement happy from coast to coast. Welcome back to another episode of the Retire Happy Podcast. I'm your host on the West Coast, John Armarino, and I am joined by my esteemed co-host on the East Coast, Mr. Tom O'Connell. Tommy, how you doing? Hey, John. How's it going? Good to hear from you again. Uh, good times out in Las Vegas a few weeks ago when we were doing our uh, annual compliance meeting. Uh, great seeing you in person again. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a good time, good training, good people. So, and uh, congratulations to uh, the true home run king, Aaron Judge. Yeah, yeah. And sorry about the San Diego Padres. Yeah, well, don't say sorry yet. It's coming. I'm I'm a lifelong well, San Diego fan. They'll make it to the playoffs. <laughs> they won't get the championship because they break our hearts every year. Anyways, um, folks, uh, today's conversation is going to be really a very very vital conversation, not just for for you and and your spouse, but really, you know, perhaps even your parents and. Well, we're going to be talking about it, and we're, you're going to probably see a, a trend here. We're going to be talking about health in retirement, and specifically today, the dreaded skilled nursing facility or nursing home state. And we have a phenomenal host that's going to bring a lot, a lot of knowledge uh, about what to expect and what to look for. But before we begin that, let's just talk about long-term care stats here for a second, Tommy. 8% of Americans think they are very likely to need long-term care, 8%. But statistically, for people over age 65, the true number is 70% will need some type of long-term care. And this is a conversation that, I, that I've really been making it a point to talk to my clients these last year or two. But Tommy, why are people not planning for this critical issue? You know, with all the information and news out there uh, these days, social media and everything else, I, honestly, I have no idea why they're not planning for it. Uh, you know, some of the the typical reasons that we hear are, I don't think I don't think about it, or you know, I don't want to think about it, or else it's going to happen. Or uh, you know, some people will say, well, I don't expect to ever need it. You know. Unfortunately, there's a whole a whole nursing home full of people who said the exact same thing and can't remember that they said that. Uh, you know, they think their family's going to take care of them. Uh, they the expense of it all. Uh, uh, some people are still under the false impression that Medicare will take care of their long term care needs or nursing home care needs. Then people think that Medicaid will do it, and they don't realize that Medicaid is a social welfare program and. Uh, they basically have to be broke to do it. They don't like the concept of the traditional long-term care insurance of being a, uh, if you don't use it, you'll lose it type of program. And they have they look at that as wasted money uh, that they could have either spent in retirement or left to their kids. 
Yeah, no, that that's true. And, you, you know, long-term care planning is not just long-term care insurance. We already talked a couple months ago to Don about uh, reverse mortgages for Don Graves. That's one solution. The, the most important thing is you have to have a plan for this. And really, there's two sides that are equally as important when you're considering how important planning is. And, and I'll take the first side, which is the emotional side. This type of event without a plan is, is going to cause family strife. My wife is a director at a skilled nursing and assisted living facility. Uh, she happens to work with our guest. And she tells me all the time, you know, about this, the family strife. The cost and quality of care is extremely stressful. And if you're, you know, Tommy, you, you said that the family might take care of them. There is a lot of stress put on the family for having to take care of a loved one, right? I know you would do the same. I would do the same. Amanda and, and Bree, we all would do the same to care for our family, but that is added stress stress on your kids. They're going to have to adjust their work and life. And this is just not a, oh, a seven-day event. This is going to be 24 hours a day, potentially, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So, you know, family vacations, you have to, if you have young kids, a lot of plans are going to go into this. So there's a lot, there's really a huge emotional toll that is taken by not only the, the, the loved ones, but the person under the care. And Tommy, yeah, you know, one, I'm good. One other thing I, you know, and I've, this is from personal experience as well as, you know, when parents or grandparents or whoever, they don't plan for it. The people that are left behind are, can be left wondering whether or not you did the right thing. Is this what my mom or dad really wanted? Did I do, did I make the right decision? Did I, you know, and that's uh, an emotion that you have to live with forever for the rest of your life. Did I do the right thing? Right. And that's what, that's one that can eat you up very easily and very quickly. So uh, on the emotional side of it, that's uh, as good of a reason to do some planning as any. Right. What about the financial side, Tommy? Yeah. I mean, so look, we we hear all the numbers. I mean, in New Jersey, we're told that the average stay in a nursing home is ten to $11,000 a month. That's crazy money. I mean, if you were able to put any type of nest egg together a few years in a nursing home and uh, you could easily be wiped out. That's one thing. Um, you know, you have lost wages. So if you're if you have to give up your job or get, you know or start working part time to take care of somebody, that's a huge, huge financial burden. You know, somebody else may not be paying for it, but you are, uh, which goes hand in hand with the emotional stress that you were just talking about. You know, and then not being able to carry out your plans and uh, maybe you know being able to leave a legacy to your kids or your grandkids. So, uh, you know, there's, I mean, it's a double whammy, right? The emotional as well as the financial side uh, that people just can't get over the hump or they make it impossible for you unless you put your plan in place. Right. And and Tommy, I want to ask you about the six activities of daily living or ADLs. And and these are things, you know, that are going to, that you know, the family are going to have to take care of. And, and again, from you spoke from a personal, personal note, on a personal note, on my own experience, I wasn't in a skilled nursing, but, you know, I've had two back surgeries. Prior to the second back surgery, when my disc ruptured and lodged in my nerve, I couldn't move. 
And my wife actually had to use her connections because I wouldn't let her call the fire department. She had to get a private ambulance to come out here and transport me twice within one week to a hospital because she couldn't move me. She couldn't move me without hurting me more. And at this point in time, I was, you know, 240 pounds. She definitely wasn't moving me without potentially hurting herself. Now, you know, my wife is 39 and in phenomenal shape, right? And what if you're 65, 70 years old, right? You know, th- that risk is there. So Tommy, what are, you know, some of the, the six activities of daily living that trigger a lot of long-term care insurances, but things that you're going to have to be able to take care of your spouse with? Yeah. So the six uh, activities of daily living are the, are, are the main thresholds that people have to meet, whether it's through insurance or through Medicare, Medicaid, that type of thing. Uh, bathing, not being able to bathe yourself, not being able to dress yourself as another. Third one would be uh, eating or or preparing your meals. Transferring. So being able to say, get up out of your bed and, uh, and get up and move to your couch. Uh, toileting. So if you need uh, assistance doing any of those activities. And then uh, incontinence, so not being able to toilet yourself, I, guess, I would assume, is how they would define that. But Amanda will talk to that a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but those are the six basic thing, functions that if you can't do typically two out of any of those six, then your long-term care coverage will kick in. Right. And, and you know, we'll talk about other coverages, you know, at a later date. But, you know, things you need to, to understand is long-term care isn't just about you know, the, the, the dreaded elderly person sitting in the nursing home. I always think of that movie, Happy Gilmore, when, you know, the, the uh, nurse tells the mom, you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. It, it's not about that, right? That's, that's a, a, you know, a horrible depiction in, in, a, in a comedic sense. But it's really about a, having a, a, there's a ton of services out there designed to help people uh, with health and personal care needs. And that's, you know, skilled nursing, assisted living, home health care, adult daycare or community based care, independent living, and then even, you know, family reimbursement for care. So, folks, we've hit you with a bunch of stuff on what to consider. But now let's, you know, let's take into consideration that whether it's your parents or, or a sibling or you or your spouse or even children, because they, this can happen to younger younger people, what you need to understand and what you ought to look for if you have the need for a skilled nursing or assisted living. So I want to introduce today's guest, Amanda David. Um, she has been in this industry for 22 years, started out, Tommy, as a CNA. So she's been in the trenches. And during this, these two decades, she's basically worked every department that could relate to this topic. We're talking private care, memory care, assisted living, skilled nursing. And she has risen through the ranks and she is now the vice president of business development for Providence Care. And she oversees 156 facilities nationwide. And um, she's also like a sister to me, one of the sweetest souls you will ever meet. And uh, I am looking forward to all the information that she is going to share with our audience. So without further ado, 15 minutes into the show, let's introduce Miss Amanda David. 
And today's guest, the president of business development for Providence Care, Amanda David. Hi, thanks for having me, John and Tommy. Glad to be here. Glad to hey, see Amanda. you. So, Amanda, um, you kind of heard our little 15 minute spiel just on skilled nursing. Um, and I talked about your 22 years. Can, can you just give us a little bit of a quick overview on your experience in this field and, and what you've seen on a day-to-day basis, both with the facilities and, uh, you know, the, the care of the patients and their families? Wow. Yeah. 22 years. I've seen a lot. I've experienced a lot, obviously, in healthcare uh, through through and through from, you know, playing bingo with with our residents to you know, what we've recently experienced with the pandemic and it's been quite, quite a journey, but, um, a lot of things along the way that I've taken in and, and, you know, just have grown to love this profession. And, um, and now I'm in a position where, you know, I get to advocate for, for millions of, of patients and families and children. And it's, it's really quite remarkable to, to be in the position I'm in. So, so thank you again for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Tom, you want to ask the first question, buddy? Sure. Um, so we were just talking about uh, the types of care a few minutes ago, and uh, I think there's a, some confusion or maybe a lot of confusion amongst people. But uh, Amanda, what what's the difference between skilled nursing and assisted living? Yeah. So skilled nursing, we have um, 24-hour licensed nurses staff. So we have registered nurses, uh, I know in different areas, they call it different, but licensed vocational nurses, CNAs. And so we have licensed nursing staff and we are um, held accountable by the Department of Health and Human Services. And so uh, there's different accreditation involved with skilled nursing, lots more regulations, uh, state and federal. And assisted living is and I'm sorry, going back to skilled nursing, and it's also covered uh, by insurances. So whether it's Medicare, managed care, or Medi-Cal, Medicaid. Assisted living is a lower level of care that is primarily private pay only. And it is assistance with, like you said, Tommy, with ADLs. So unfortunately, assisted living has shifted in the 22 years I've been in healthcare. Back when I started, when I was young, you know, assisted living was truly walkie-talkie um, patients who who maybe just needed assistance to get by with a walker, as you've probably seen. And now, because, you know, our population has shifted to more of our baby boomers, the quality of care has been more demanding. So costs have unfortunately have gone up with assisted living needs. But the biggest difference is, you know, they are not, uh, they are not overseen by the Department of Health and Human Services. It's a different accreditation. And, um, and so it's, it's just two different levels of care. I would say just to summarize it, it's a lower level of care, not by skilled nursing in the fact of licensed care. You have more caregivers that just have caregiving experience. It could be anybody off the street that can come in and take care of your loved one and assisted living. Right, right. And then, and you guys also, you know, in my conversations I have every day, with Bree, you guys also just not work within your facilities, but you guys, a lot of communication between hospitals, skilled nursing, assisted living, home health, and hospice, right? Yes. 
So I've actually had a couple of my clients talk with Bree, my wife, about selecting a skilled nursing facility or assisted living facility. So for our viewers, if they have a loved one that's that's in need of this, um, can you tell us what they should be looking for? What you what if if you were putting a loved one in, Amanda, what you would look for in a skilled nursing or assisted living facility? And also talk about some some of the patient's rights. Do you always have to go with the doctor's recommendation? Yeah, no, great, great question. So unfortunately, you know, it's unforeseen, right? You have a loved one that maybe slips and falls and breaks a hip in the kitchen doing dishes. Um, And so they go from independent to now, you know, a femur fracture or, you know, a hip fracture and other comorbidities that happen to our patients. And so what happens is when they get to a hospital, they're presented. I mean, you have families are never prepared. And all of a sudden, a doctor and a case manager comes in and presents you know, you or your loved one with a, a patient choice list, so to speak. And so they have options, you know, sometimes a doctor can say, you know what, P, uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy have come in, they've done their evaluation and it appears mom needs skilled nursing, or maybe they don't, maybe they say, I want to go to home health. Either way, there's, there's a list that's presented and they want to know right then and there, what, who are you going, which, which facility are you selecting? You have today to do it. You have discharge orders today. And so unfortunately, families are are not prepared. And, and I've seen this nine out of 10 times. Families are never prepared. They don't know what to look for in a skilled nursing. They don't know the difference between, like you said, assisted living, skilled nursing, home health. Sometimes even it's hospice. I mean, there's different agencies out there and resources, um, but the families are unprepared. And so the two things I would always look for, number one in a facility, if you are selecting facility, is quality of care. And so you measure that by a star ranking that the Department of Health and Human Services ranks every facility. You can find a lot of helpful information on medicare.gov that can help point you in the right direction in choosing a facility. And then two is, you know, and and under that uh, five star is the quality of care, but then two is actually going in and meeting the people. So, you know, you talk about Brianna, your wife, when I bring people in for a tour, I want them to meet the Brianna's and what she has to offer as a social services director. I would like for them to meet my director of nursing, the CNAs on the floor, and really get a feel for how does this facility going to take care of my loved one? Are they going to treat my mom and dad as if it were their own mom and dad or their own grandma and grandfather? Um, so those are the two things I would say that that just immediately I would shoot. Okay, are they a five-star building? and how does the facility feel? How does it look? How does it smell? All of those things. Right. And giving a, a shameless plug uh, to Paradise Valley Healthcare, where, where my wife works. You know, both Tommy and I, we are very big into relationships with our clients. Our clients are not numbers. They're people who we care deeply for. We care deeply about their happiness in retirement. And I got to tell you, one of the biggest inspirations of that is my wife. I mean, and, and Amanda, you can back this up. She knows everything about every patient, every patient in that facility. She's talking to the family members all the time. And I mean, she has family members that bring her, you know, thank you gifts. And, and you know, they, you know, unfortunately, yeah, yeah you do have death in these facilities. They always ask her, please, can you 
be a part of this because you have, can, can you come to the funeral? Because you've been such a big part of that chapter of our life. And we're so thankful for you. You know, so what you, what you kind of hit on of, of really having a facility that cares about your loved one as a person, not just a bet. That's exactly correct. And, and I, that's, you hit it spot on. Your, your wife is very unique in the fact that I've worked for several companies over the last 22 years. I've worked in, oh gosh, how many buildings? I've worked in seven facilities, seven different, seven, eight different facilities. That's not including assisted living memory care. And I can tell you, it's all about the people and you will not find someone like your wife to treat a family member the way I've seen her treat families. And so to, to it's, it's very special. It's very unique quality that your wife possesses. So I, I love that you said that. I think that finding that family feel and someone to not treat you like a number, uh, because we know this is a business, you know, we, it's where skilled nursing's assisted livings, we're non, we're, we're for profit. So oftentimes you run into, you know, the competitor who does treat your mom or dad like a dollar sign. And it's unfortunate. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I can speak from my, our family's personal experience when my grandfather had to go into a nursing home um, here in New Jersey. And I can tell you the, the, the staff was great. Uh, I, I never really had a problem with that. I have a bit, a rather large family of five brothers, a sister, my mom, my dad, my grandfather lived with us our whole life and kind of was a second dad to us. Um, and so there was always someone from my family pretty much every day visiting with him. And I couldn't tell you the number of people who, who were residents there that would come up to us and say, you know, um, my son or daughter put me here 10 years ago and we've never heard from them since and things of that nature. And so, uh, you know, just to say that having that kind of service that uh, you're talking about, Amanda, and and with Bree, and I've seen her in action, you know, in my visits to San Diego. It's amazing how that can just help someone, even in the slightest bit, have you know some type of quality of life. It, it really is important and special, and uh, I, I couldn't say enough about the both of you guys for uh, what you do. Thank you. Yeah, well, well said, Tommy. So. Tommy had mentioned cost of care earlier, um, and you know I, I think this would resonate with Tommy because uh, you position a lot of your clients with life insurance, and so have I. That you know when we talk to clients about life insurance, it, it's not always a uh, a needs proposition. It's really what you want, and you have to understand that you know, like Amanda said, the cost of care comes on a multitudes of level from skilled nursing to assisted living, the home health. But even within within those, and again, coming back to my home experience with Brie of hearing some of the stories of the patient's roommates, I certainly want a private room. I will tell you that right now. Uh, man, I'm sure you want a private room. There's different levels of care even within the facility. And, and you know, Amanda, I know Brie has always talked to me about the shared four bedroom, four patient uh, room, the semi-private and the private. So can you talk to us about, you know, the, the type of living and what, what type of, of life you want to experience within when these facilities? Within skilled nursing specifically, correct? Uh, or, or assisted living because, because you okay. see both. 
Yeah, you do. Um, so cost, unfortunately, goes up, right? You you want a private room. Everyone wants a private room, especially if you have a big family. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it's very, there's a lot of dynamics that play into uh, the positioning of the room. Um, I could come across a guy who has Medicaid and he's homeless and, you know, he needs IV antibiotics for 12 weeks uh, and he might not care where he goes. But Nine out of 10 times, people want the private room. And so you're looking at, and the same thing goes for assisted living. If you want a studio, if you want a one bedroom, I mean, it's it's similar if you were and I were to go rent a house somewhere, cost goes up. And so it just depends, you know, it depends on insurance. It depends on how long you're going to stay. It depends on cost. It depends on, there, there's a lot of different dynamics at play, but a lot of it is the demographics of that individual. Right. And, and then aside from that, you know, Aside from the the actual costs, there's just the fact that all of a sudden you're in this skilled nursing or assisted living facility and you have a person that you've never met sitting next to you and they may have strong opinions. You may have both people's strong opinions. They may have other issues. Right. Um, and and yeah. you're going to have to live through that. Right, Amanda? I mean, tell us I mean, some you're- of yeah. I, well, if you think about it, what happens, Tommy and John, when you don't feel good? All you want to do is lay in your bed or be at home around the comfort of your loved ones. Uh, heck, I know I still even want my mom, you know, mom, I'm not feeling great. Um, and so, you know, imagine now you are in a, in a place that is completely unknown to you. You're in an environment surrounded by a lot of strangers from the staff to now, let's say you're in a four bedroom or even let's say even a three bedroom and you're in the middle of two other sick people who are up all night. Maybe one's coughing all night. Maybe one's on a commode next to you. Maybe another one has their TV really loud and you all you want to do is get better. And you can't do that because you're not in the comfort of your own home. Now I'm not slamming skilled nursing because some people, you know, we do everything as a staff member to a comedy and try to appease and put patients together that are compatible. But sometimes that doesn't happen. And I know you hear a lot of that probably, you know, when you're on a Sunday dinner with your wife and (laughs) she's having to deal with, Hey, I'm not happy. I want to go into a private room. And so it's very, like I said, skilled nursing is unforeseen, unfortunately for many, many people. And, And it's, it's really sad that they aren't prepared um, and so I love that you're doing this podcast because it's all about being proactive and yeah. So, yeah. And you know, it's not, it's not about slamming any, you know, you're not slamming the industry. You're just, you're, you know, you're doing what we asked you and, and letting our subscribers, our listeners know what the reality of things are, because if you're planning for this and you may have, you know, however you decide to do the plans, but you may have the funds to maybe just have one roommate or have that private room, then, you know, your, your living situation is just going to be a whole lot better. Yeah. It comes down to quality of life, right? So uh, if you're not planning for it, the government has a plan for you, right? That's yeah. it's called medic Medicaid. And you get the, the four white walls and, and the four and the three roommates. And if you plan, uh, then, you uh, create options for yourself and for your family. And that's why we do this podcast, right? So John and I are always talking about, hey, 
plan, 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 uh, because you're not just planning for yourself, you're planning for your family. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Tom, you want to, uh, you want to address or ask Amanda about the, the old sales pitch that we hear about the time uh, sure. spent in a nursing home facility? Yeah, I mean, you know, I talked about the average cost here in Jersey. Um, but the other thing that we always hear, statistically speaking, uh, is that the average stay in a nursing home is somewhere around three to four years. Now, I, don't, I, I, I guess to, uh, to Amanda, the question is, how accurate is that statistic in real life? You know, I would say people are living longer, right? So it depends, you know, we're, we're seeing a population of younger patients, you know, gone are the days of the 90 year old hip that she's coming in to stay in a skilled nursing that that just doesn't apply anymore. Unfortunately, um, what's coming in is, you know, the 52 year olds, you know, who have a history of drug and alcohol abuse and, uh, and they're coming in under, you know, Medicaid and or Medi-Cal. And so, I mean, if you think about it, they could be there for 50 years. I mean, we don't know, but, but I will say this, that gone are the days of, you know, your skilled nursings, nursing homes, you know, they, I don't know if you remember this, but they used to even be called, you know, convalescent homes. And, and so, you know, gone are those days, skilled nursings predominantly are looking for the short term resident, meaning they have a discharge plan. They want to go home. And why is that? Because we get paid better. And, you know, we don't want them. I hate to say this, Tommy, but we don't want the Medicaid in our building. You know, we, the difference of cost is, is way different. So unfortunately, if you don't have retirement funds or good insurance, you're, you're going to, I love what you said. You're going to the, the four white walls, the one-star buildings, you're getting, you know, placed wherever they tell you. In some cases, you're having to go to the county to those skilled nursing facilities. And so you're not going to be able to go pick a five-star building with Medicaid or Medi-Cal. Your option, you know, and 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 to be quite frank, they don't they don't want you there long term. They don't want you there for three to four years. You know, we're looking at the resident and we're going, can you be here an average length of stay 25 days? So that's what we're really aiming for in our in our patient population within the skilled nursing. And some of the we have there's six uh, big companies nationwide and every single one of them have that same philosophy and they're billion dollar companies. And unfortunately, yes. Do we have an empathy for what we do? Absolutely. Are we do this because we are in a business to care for our people and take care of the elderly and, and, and the young. And I even, even you mentioned earlier, I'm even seeing kids come in 32 years old. Yes, we have an empathy, but we're also for business. And so, the difference, you know, if if you're thinking, hey, I'll just apply for Medicaid and, and SSI, those those days are gone. Unfortunately, I mean, you really should have long term plan. And if you don't have funds, you, your options are limited. Yeah, you know, and then and again, piggybacking on what you both said, you know, if you're going to come on Medicaid or Medi-Cal, and you you think your surviving spouse is going to have it easy after you're gone. You know, there there's spend down limits to where your surviving spouse is not left with a whole lot of money, especially if you if if they're going to live another 15, 20 years or heck, even I mean, in reality, six or seven, it's going to be a struggle. And let's say, you know, Medi-Cal or Medicaid, they, they may actually may even come back as a reimbursement on your home. And in, in, if you're trying to pass that on as a legacy. So, 
really important to consider. And Amanda, I want to I want to finish up this interview because we we just talked about length of of care. And I always talk to people that one of the biggest champions, I guess, politically speaking, of long-term care was Ronald Reagan himself. And Ronald Reagan needed 10 years of long-term care because he had dementia. And so I want to talk to you because, you know, you've told me this in a bunch of our conversations because I, I come and I seek you your advice and Bree's advice with long-term care planning that... Memory care is really becoming a, a, a needed sector. We're, we're seeing a lot more boomers have uh, dementia, Alzheimer's. So the importance of having a memory care, and, and I just had a referral not too long ago come into my office, and part of the planning was for the mom. And the comment that the, the, the person had made to me is, I love my mom and it kills me to say this, but she has Alzheimer's and she's perfectly healthy aside from the Alzheimer's. So there's a good chance she could be in this facility for 10 years. So, um, you know, what's your thoughts on memory care and really having a plan for that too? Yeah, I, it is. Wow. Memory care. So something very near and dear to me, I worked memory care, um, in assisted living for quite some time. And it's, it's really just, I call it a beautiful disease. Um, I know a lot of people don't say it that way, but it's very unique. It requires a very special caregiver. I mean, you're talking somebody who can't even remember to take their meds or do something as simple that we enjoy, like clipping our toenails, right? And so it takes a really unique individual to take care of somebody with dementia. And so it's something that's very near and dear to me. And unfortunately, it's very underserved. I'm seeing more and more people come across my table, my desk, and they're calling me going, what do I do? My mom has dementia. I can't take care of her as much as I want my mom to be at home. She tries to get out the door every single, you know, every night I have to make sure the doors are locked. I have to make sure the fridge is locked. I have to make sure, you know, there are things that they have to do because, you know, mom's trying to cook a soup at two o'clock in the morning. And it's really sad. So as much as we want to take care of our loved ones with dementia, it's extremely difficult and then it requires a higher level of care. And so people are looking to memory cares, right? So memory care is usually a secured unit. Um, you know, there's a lot of different protocols put in place to make sure that the loved one is safe within their living, uh, arrangements. Um, and so to do that, unfortunately it, nine out of 10 times, it is private pay. It is very rare that skilled nursings, nursing homes, assisted livings are able to care for somebody that have dementia. And we're talking different levels of dementia. Some people have really advanced dementia that need what they call secured units within skilled nursings. And so just like in San Diego alone, there's only three and there's one county. And so what happens to the millions of Americans that have loved ones with dementia and they can't care for them. If you don't have private pay funds, unfortunately, there's not options for you. It's very underserved. It's very sad. I would love to see, you know, people prepare for this because like you said, you could be healthy 86 year olds with dementia. It doesn't matter. You're still paying a price to take care of that loved one. So whether it's a private caregiver at home, because you know, you've got to go to work, you've got kids to take care of, you've got vacations, you know, you, you all great points to hit on, 
But the biggest thing is whether it's a private caregiver, you're you're looking at upwards of twenty to to thirty dollars an hour for a private caregiver. You go to a, a skilled nursing, most likely they won't take you because they don't have the protocols in place to take care of someone with dementia. It's very limited in the resources. And then three, if not, you're going to a memory care unit and you're looking at anywhere from ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars a month. Wow. So it's very imperative that you are preparing for, I mean, it could happen to me, it could happen to you, it could happen to Tommy, God forbid, but it is something that I, I just really, I, I want millions of Americans to become more aware to pre- to prepare for this because it's a, it's a real thing and it's underserved and it's not prepared for. And I'm going to jump in and kind of go down a slightly different rabbit hole, but it, it, but it goes hand in hand with what you were just saying, Amanda. And uh, people don't know this. Very few people that I've ever talked to know this. There's, there's something called a, a filial responsibility laws. And, th- and California has them. New Jersey has them. Those are laws that impose uh, upon adult children the uh, that they are responsible for the care of impoverished parents and relatives. So, hey, you may not have talked to your mom or dad for 15 years, but if they're impoverished and they have that memory care issue, you may have a financial responsibility depending on your state laws. And so now think about that, right? You're raising a couple of kids or you're trying to save for your own retirement. Your parents go into a nursing home. They don't have enough money. And all of a sudden, the state of California, the state of New Jersey comes knocking on your door and says, hey, you know what? You need to start chipping into the pot here. How crazy is that? Absolutely. That is nuts. Well, I mean, I'm sure, you know, long-term care, skilled nursing, this is something that obviously like a lot of our subjects, we can talk for hours about. And, um, you know, I think ending on, you know, what Tommy said, especially what Amanda said about, about memory care, I think there, there's a great way to end to really nail home the fact that folks, you have to have a plan. This is not a wing it type of proposition. And, and whether your plan is going the insurance route, going the reverse mortgage route, having, uh, you know, uh, a pot of assets set aside just specifically for this. You have to have a plan. So, um, you know, this is, we, we talked about Medicare last podcast. We talked about skilled nursing and, and in these next couple of months, we're really going to hammer home healthcare in retirement to get you the best resources possible so you can plan. And I want to thank Amanda um, for your time. She's a very, very busy uh, girl. And um, I appreciate you coming on, talking to our audience. And folks, if you have any questions or you need, you need a, a loved one that needs skilled nursing, you can reach out to Amanda um, at 619-470-6700. Or you can email her at amandafelix at pacs.com. And these will be in our, our show notes and our YouTube link. Um, when she is not being the vice president and overseeing the 156 nationwide offices, she works hand in hand with my wife over at Paradise Valley, which is a five-star facility. So thank you again, Amanda. We really appreciate all your time. Thanks. Thank you, John. Thanks, Tommy. All right, folks. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Retire Happy Podcast. We really hope you took a lot out of this important discussion. 
and we will see you next time. Take care. Bye, everybody. It's easy to get in touch with John and Thomas. If you're more on the West Coast, give John a call at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Or go online to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. If you're more of an East Coaster, then call Thomas, 973-394-0623. That's 973-394-0623. And online at internationalfinancial.com. That's internationalfinancial.com. And you can, of course, always just check the description or the show notes section of today's show for all that contact information. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps, and we'll see you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM, Securus Financial, and International Financial Advisory Group are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Iamarino, Thomas O'Connell, and guests on this show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subjects covered.